So welcome to this uh, Master Investor podcast uh, with me, Jonathan Davis, and uh, I'm delighted today to be joined by Martin Gilbert, who uh, most investors will know as the founder of Aberdeen Asset Management, uh, a hugely successful uh, independent investment firm until it was uh, merged with Standard Life uh, a few years ago. And uh, Martin, you've uh, had a tremendous record when you were there in building up that business. And now, instead of retiring to uh, to play golf or look after your garden or something, you're you're still involved in a whole number of different uh, ventures. And I, I think we should uh, I'd like to talk to them about to you about them, if I may. Um, so why don't you quickly just tell us, Marty? First of all, what um, uh, what are you doing at the moment? What are, what are your interests at the moment? Uh, how are you filling your days? Yeah, they seem to fill up quite quickly. Um, I uh, I was I was on the board of Sky, obviously, that, that's gone, and I'm still on the board of Glencore, so that's, uh, that gives me a sort of interest in the, the sort of big company type non-executive uh, role. Um, I've coupled that with being chairman of Revolut, which is, uh, which is exciting, and I think um, it's great to do a fintech or a fast-growing fintech just to sort of see what can be achieved and uh, obviously we raised about 800 million at a, a 32 billion dollar valuation uh, in the second half of last year which has been fantastic and and then I was offered the chance to do uh, SPACs by most of the investment banks and I, I really sort of thought I don't really like the SPAC structure and and went for a cash shell instead so you know with some of my friends from uh, from Aberdeen we decided that we would like to to do a, bit, a smaller end of the asset manager right I got a slight problem here because you've broken up on me here Martin yes. uh, industry moment so really just do more of the same uh sorry uh can you hear me now I can hear you now yeah 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 um sorry I'll 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 start again at the asset code yeah sure um so just on uh, asset code um we we got the idea from being offered the opportunity to do uh, SPACs by most of the investment banks um, and really sort of thought of the disadvantages of SPACs and, and then alighted on a, a cash shell that my good friend Christopher Mills had. And we decided we'd use that to consolidate the asset management industry a bit like we'd done in, at, at Aberdeen, but on a much smaller scale. Um, especially in the long only active sector, which is, in my view, totally wrongly unloved, uh, because I still think stock selection has a huge part to play in in people in in, in people's uh, portfolios. So um, yeah, it's exciting, and uh, I'm, I must admit I'm enjoying it working with some of my old colleagues from uh, Aberdeen. Yeah, so that must be uh, interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm interested that you're looking through Asset Code. This is a, uh, obviously, as you say, a, was a shell which you took over and you're going to acquire a number of different businesses in the 
uh, fund management and uh, related sort of techie areas. Um, so, and you've, you've made two or three investments so far, I think, is, is that's right, in terms of, uh, you've got Parmenian, which is, uh, is like a platform for uh, advisors and people. Uh, you've got Saracen, which is a, a very sort of small boutique uh, investment management firm. Uh, and you've got something called Rise. Is it called Rise or Rise or Rise? It's an ETF firm. So you're kind of covering the waterfront. And uh, so what's the, what's the logic behind putting those kind of things together? It's not just sort of specialist fund management you're going for. No, I think, I think distribution as well, because most of the, um, the fund management businesses we look at are very good at managing money but tend to have a weakness if, if there is a weakness in distribution. So I think that's where we really see ourselves adding, um, adding the expertise. Uh, and, and obviously the, the rises of this world is our market leaders and thematic ETFs. So we, we, we do see ETFs as, uh, as, um, as a great wrapper. I mean, I, as, as, as you know, Jonathan, I've, I've, I've always been a great believer in closed-end funds. Investment trusts have been the favorite, my favorite bit of the market. And at Aberdeen, we must have managed about 50 closed-end funds. So I, I like the ETF structure as well. Um, so thematic ETFs, I think, are going to be uh, a great product for the future. As I do actively manage ETFs, by the way, um, ETFs don't need to be passives. So Rise is really playing into that, um, that space. Parmenian, we liked, we bought it at Aberdeen. Um, Aberdeen wanted to sell it. So sadly, we could only buy 30% of it, but uh, we, we like, the, uh, we like that, that area as well. We like the platform area because again, it's gonna be for, for the average saver, platforms are really going to be the, uh, the medium that they are going to use to uh, manage their portfolios in the future. So yeah, we like that area. Uh, Saracen we bought because we needed a regulated entity and, um, and, and, and it will allow us to add on other asset managers in, in, in the long only space. So I guess the question that comes out of that is in a way is if you, if you were starting again, well, you are starting again, but I mean, uh, what did you learn from what you, your experience at Aberdeen uh, about the, uh, the challenges of building an investment management firm? Very profitable if you get it right. Um, and uh, would you have gone for the same route as you did then, you know, kind of consolidation, or would you have just settled for some kind of boutique type uh, operation? It's easier to manage in a way. Yeah, I think, I think that this time uh, I won't be as strident as I was last time and that everything had to be consolidated under the Aberdeen name. Um, and it worked, uh, but we missed a lot of opportunities. So this time I think we're, uh, we're going to be more flexible and use brands that people have built up, uh, allow minority stakes, allow majority stakes as we have done in Parmenian, um, but allow people to have their own business, but loosely consolidate it under perhaps a bit of uh, distribution. Um, I think I think also merging distribution into a single distribution capability didn't work at Aberdeen because 
it works in certain areas along only equities, but you take private markets, private markets distribution is a whole different uh, skill set. So it's very difficult to have one, one distribution team that are capable of distributing everything. So yeah, we'd like to see a little distribution in each of the, the capabilities uh, that, that we have, but, but really try and help them on that distribution. Uh, do you think, I mean, we've seen some examples, some people say, of course, that, uh, you know, fund management businesses should never, or investment management business should never be, you know, should remain private. Once they go into the public, uh, into the public markets, then you get this pressure for earnings growth and so on. And then you have difficulties during uh, bear markets, you know, things, it's like a geared play on the, on the year market. Um, but you obviously don't think that. So what, what, what is the argument for saying that, uh, you know, fund management groups should go into the public sphere? Um, you're absolutely right. If 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 you can remain private, it's it's much better. The downside of being public is there is a, an inordinate focus on flows rather than the uh, rather than the revenue from flows. So um, you and and it's fascinating. Even with the big passive houses, they they. The, the press say, oh, a trillion of flows. They don't actually work out the revenue effect of those, <laughs> of, of those flows. So um, I think it's that over-reliance on flows that I've found the most difficult to handle because we would bring in high margin flows, lose, lose low margin flows. And I think, I think that's the biggest downside of being public. Um, Clearly, though, going public uh, allows you to have um, to 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 sell stock, to reduce your uh, shielding in it. And we saw it this week with TPG going public. I mean, all the private market guys are uh, are are going public at the moment, um, which which I think tells you that the 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 story, as you quite rightly say. I mean, it shows that we're probably nearing the top of absolutely top of I was going to say, that was explore. going to be my question yeah we're near the end of the cycle aren't we it seems yeah. pretty obvious yeah so uh so as long as you can ride the cycle it, it, there is no downside it's a good discipline being public it allows you to buy asset managers it allows people to get liquidity so there are advantages but if you don't need to it's a nice business uh, to be a private business and there's some very good private businesses still out there, which are uh, making an awful lot of money. And, uh, you know, so if you look at something well, like... Um, Bailey Linsel, Gifford. You, you... Or Bailey Gifford to be, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or, or Linsel Train or something like that. I mean, they're, uh, they're, yeah. they're doing very well. Oh, my God. These guys have made some money. They've made yeah. some money. Yeah. But, of course, the money always comes from somewhere. And, of course, it comes from the, uh, the, <laughs> the people who are in the funds. I mean, do you think the... Uh, You've seen this uh, pressure on fees, at least in uh, in certain areas of the market. Do you think that's going to be here to stay? And if so, does that have implications for the uh, the economics of the you know the kind of businesses you're looking at? Yeah, no, I mean the economics of long only equity fund managers have uh, declined quite dramatically over the last few years because of passive. Uh, that has led to fee compression. And then, of course, the big move out of public markets to private markets has had a big knock-on effect. 
on um, asset managers that have tended to be in the public markets. So all of them are trying to uh, re-engineer their businesses. And you, you can see frantic buying of private market asset managers by the big public, um, by the big uh, quoted public asset managers. So yeah, there's been a massive change. And we're still seeing a massive move from a massive move of assets from public markets to private markets. Um, you can see that in the UK with the takeover of the FTSE 250 companies, the, 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 that sort of uh, at that sort of level, very good businesses, private private equity taking them out. So, yeah, big 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 changes over the last few years in the industry. And uh, that's, uh, I guess that's good because that keeps you on your toes. I'm just thinking from, uh, if we're thinking of it from an investor's point of view, um, I mean, what would you say to people if you're, you know, faced with a choice about, you know, should, should you go passive or should you go active? Um, you know, 80% of, uh, over the last 10 years, 80% of active funds have underperformed or something in that region, according to the latest statistics I saw. Um, so for most people, you could say, well, the logical thing is to use passives and get sort of, you know, uh, predictable second quartile performance. Um, but is that the message that you would give to people? I mean, unless you know what you're getting, how do you, you know, what, uh, people make so many mistakes by picking actively managed funds, let's put it that way. And do you think that's through lack of education or is it just the fact that they're, uh, they're oversold, for example? It's, no, it's, it's, it's a very valid point. And uh, I, I've always said passive, for certain investors, you take an insurance company or whatever, um, low cost, passive can be the way to, to go. Um, but the last 10 years have been extraordinary in terms of the winners and you, you, the, the big, the apples, the, these sort of uh, companies have really sort of skewed the index. And a lot of active funds, as you know, can't hold that sort of percentage in these uh, in these growth stocks, I do think there is going to be a period though uh, where value is going to um, is going to come to the fore, and we saw that a bit last year, um, and we're going to see it, I think, going forward. And if we do have rough markets at all, I think active active equities is a is a great place to be. But it's like everything else; you've got to choose the good managers, haven't you? The 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 really good managers there are they're, they're few and far between so it's finding those as you said the 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 bailey giffords the linzel trains the linzit trains these sort of people who do a great job but you've got to know that they're going to underperform in certain times of the market so we saw bailey gifford underperform last year but but if you'd held them over the last 10 years you would have done phenomenally well so um yeah I, I, Look, I, I like active, and for the uh, for the investor now, they're getting active at a great price. There's no front end load now. It's not one. It's not 150 basis points. It's 50 basis points. So, uh, it, it's 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 transformed. The the market's transformed for retail investors now. So you must have been involved in obviously in essentially when you're looking at uh, fund management firms to buy or to expanding your Aberdeen. Uh, business, you were looking at uh, fund managers, and what what you know the the problem is, as you say, you've got to pick the best ones, and there aren't that many of them. So, what qualities do you look for, or were, have you looked for, when you're looking for someone to actually manage your own money, as opposed to you know growing a business uh, where flows may be more important? 
I think experience more than anyone, anything else. I mean, uh, asset management is a business where I think experience does help, having seen it before. Um, the, the problem is the more experienced you are, the worse, the worse you've probably been over the last 10 years because you sort of, you sort of think these valuations can't continue. So, uh, so some very, very good experienced, especially income fund managers in the UK have had a sort of torrid time. I mean, I look at the Adrian Frost of this world, the sort of managers, you want to manage your money. And um, it's, it's just been tough for them. Uh, whereas James Anderson, to be fair, I mean, at Bailey Gifford, uh, you know, he's stuck to what he's really good at and just, he's a, he's a believer in technology, which is, uh, which is great. And he's made more money than anyone else I've ever seen for, uh, for uh, investors over the last sort of 10 years and taken big bets that Tesla's these sort of things. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's been astonishing. He's, you know, he's, 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 he's really transformed growth fund management and uh, um, it's been remarkable. It has. Uh, it has been an extraordinary uh, period, but uh, all good sort of periods come to an end. Uh, we know the market goes up, goes down, styles go change, growth, value, all the rest of it, large, small cap and so on. Um, so, but uh, let me try and put you on the spot then and say, well, do you think we are pretty close to the top of the cycle now? in terms I, of the markets overall? I think we're deaf. I, I'm hopeless at this sort of thing, but my prediction is we're definitely at the nearing the end of the cycle as far as, uh, as far as the US market is concerned. But there is a lot of liquidity still there. But what I've found with liquidity is there, one day it just stops and the next day there is no liquidity. So um, liquidity doesn't sort of, of dry up slowly it goes from huge amounts to zero and that's what that's what will happen at, at some stage and that'll hit the u.s market hardest um it we'll see liquidity it, it, it'll make the uk small mid-cap sector even cheaper and that's where the value is i mean if you want to invest Definitely with an active fund manager, that's the sort of sector I, I would certainly like the most. Find a very good small cap or a very good mid cap fund manager and uh, follow them. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's value there, definite value. Yes, I, I totally agree with you there. And there are some very good ones in the UK in particular. There, I can think of several, I mean, your, your old uh, colleague, Harry Nimmo, is still going strong after he's, all these years. And, he's uh, world class, you know, Harry's world class. He's a world class uh, um, sort of fund manager. And he's, he's certainly on my list of people you would give, uh, give, money, give your money to. I phone, I phone him up to get ideas to buy, you know, yeah. aim stocks. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's very good value as well when, uh, when, when oh, you're having a conversation with him. Man. Yeah, but interesting, of course, in his case, he has a he has a very strong investment discipline. He has a has a kind of uh, a set of criteria that he doesn't really deviate from. At least, uh, I don't think he does. Uh, he says he doesn't anyway. So I'm quite happy to nope. believe him. And uh, that's what you <laughs> he's need. Pretty rigid. He's, yeah, yeah, he's good. And same with Hugh Young. I mean, yes, you know, I've worked with Hugh Young probably the longest, and uh, I mean, he's the same. Very rigid. Very disciplined. Doesn't chase stocks. 
these sort of things, um, very hot on corporate governance. So these are the sort of traits. Now, Hugh Young's fund, which we started, the Asian focus, I mean, it's up 15 times since yeah. in 25 years. So these are the sort of fund managers you want. But they do, but they can be boring as well. I think that's what we all forget. They're not all, yeah. not every fund manager is a James Anderson. And, uh, or, uh, but, but I, I'm like you, I, I do rate Harry very highly. Yeah. Uh, and of course, one of the one of the good signs, or at least often a good sign, is the fact that they want to carry on even after they've uh, presumably made quite a lot of money out of uh, out of managing yeah. these funds. They want to carry on because they actually uh, they actually love the job and they like the challenge. Yeah, and, and uh, it's also good, good to see how much they have in the fund, uh, Jonathan, as well. Because, I mean, they want to carry on because they've made so much money. They need to run their money, <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's a good factor. Um, and I think it, I mean, it is interesting because it has been a spectacularly uh, 10-year period when we, everything has gone in one direction, essentially, uh, whether you're looking at, uh, obviously, the, the markets themselves, equity markets themselves, the, the, the style factors, uh, the interest rates, and so on. Um, and looking back to, say, 2000 or, or, or 2009, those are actually times, one of the few times when active managers really do come into their fore, when there's a fallout yeah. from, a, from a peak. Yeah, uh, and there's been these kind of excesses we've seen everywhere. Um, I mean, you mentioned SPACs earlier on, and we've all sort of seen the evidence of, uh, you know, and look at uh, things like Kathy Wood's, uh, you know, ARC ETF, which has been up and down like a yo-yo. Um, don't you do you get a bit uh, worried about the fact that there's so much, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, call it hot money or kind of money stimulus money that Americans have received? They don't know what to do with. They're just putting it into the stock market because interest rates are so low. I mean, that could make quite a nasty uh, um, fallout, should we say, when the, when the bubble does burst. Yeah, no, I, I agree 100%. And as I said earlier, there's liquidity. One day there's excess liquidity and the next day there is no liquidity. And, and that's what will happen. And, and it'll be something out of left field, won't it? A bit like COVID. Um, you know, the last buying opportunity I saw was March 2019. March 20, sorry, March 2020. Yeah. And and that that was again another short-lived sort of cra crash. 2009 was not too bad for asset managers, not like the 2000 to 2003 bear market, which was a long, slow bear market. Um, these sharp corrections, uh, like 87, those sort of corrections are good because they just are massive declines i mean the u.s market down 25 percent in one night we haven't seen anything like that for the last sort of uh, oh gosh that's 13 35 years so yeah it does show these things can happen and we've all forgotten they can happen i think it's is one of the worrying things and then of course there's an awful lot of leverage around um almost every place you look both in terms of uh, some of the uh, investors who are in the market uh, and in terms of uh, government debt, obviously, that's a big overhang. I mean, do you think that we do you have much confidence that uh, governments and central banks can, you know, kind of steer their way through this uh, very unfortunate position which they've got themselves in, which uh, they're stuck with low interest rates and there's an awful lot of debt out there and they can't really afford interest rates to go up very far? I, I'm, I'm not terribly worried about the government debt because they're going to inflate their way out of it. So. 
uh, they'll try and keep rates as low as possible for as long as possible. Let inflation go a bit. Uh, nothing better for government debt than inflation. Sure. So uh, as long as it doesn't get too out of hand. Um, obviously, the last 10 years, if you've been able to borrow money and buy, buy property or assets, you, you, you've made an absolute fortune. So, um, yeah, I think, I think the key, I, I always say to people, now, if you've got a mortgage, fix your mortgage. I mean, okay, you might lose out for a year or two, but it's, you, you'll never get another chance to lock in rates at these sort of levels for, uh, for lengthy periods of time. And, and, and as long as you can afford that, you can, you, you'll, you'll ride out the next few years if we do get any difficult uh, interest rate markets. Yeah. So, uh, well, uh, I think we're coming towards the end of our time here, uh, Marty, but I'd like to ask you about some, a couple of other quickly, if I may. Uh, one is, um, uh, do you have much faith in politicians? You must have dealt with a lot of them over the years in, in, as a businessman. Do you think that uh, uh, we're getting the kind of politicians we need in this kind of uh, period? Yeah, I think there are some excellent ones. Uh, I, I'm biased, of course, because he went to the same school as me and he's from Aberdeen. But I look at Michael Gove and I think he's, he is an incredible, incredibly able politician. Um, so, yeah, no, I think, look, I think they do a good, a good job. I, I, think, I think Boris is probably a lucky politician and I, I think he's probably come out of the not locking down this time, he seems to have sort of got away with it. So, um, um, but we'll wait and see. But, uh, but yeah, no, I've got a very high regard for some of them, Michael Gove. And of course, Lord Grimstone, my former chairman, uh, who's now a trade minister. I, uh, I mean, he's got incredible energy and uh, he's in charge of inward investment, as you know, and and doing an excellent job there. So, yeah, no, there are some good ones. That, I mean, it's the usual, isn't there? Some good ones and some bad ones, I suppose. But, uh, but I do, I do think we, we've got some really good ones. You haven't mentioned the uh, some of the uh, devolved regions of the of the United Kingdom. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Look, I, you know, I, 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 I always had a high regard for Alex Armand because he was a sort of centre right uh, politician. And I, I think Nicola's done a pretty good job on the lockdown. I mean, I'm I'm not convinced she should have locked down this time, but up until now, I think she's she's done a pretty uh, a pretty good a pretty good job. And yeah, I mean, I was at university with Alistair Darling, and I think he did a. I I, I know it's some time ago that he was a chancellor, but when you think how well he handled the crisis, it does show that that. Yeah, they can. They they're good. I, I I knew at university actually, oddly enough, that Alistair Darling would be uh, would 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 be good. I, I it was quite interesting. I I also um, yeah I, I thought Brown was a was a good politician uh, as well. Maybe not the greatest prime minister, but certainly one of the greatest. A very good chancellor. So there's a lot to be said for the canny Scots still in, uh, in, yeah, in high places. Yeah, they're all Scots, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
I, I, I guess I should ask you, do you, uh, do you have a public position on independence? I haven't, uh, I haven't researched that, I'm afraid I should, I should know, but I I'm don't. Not, no, I've, I've, tried, I've tried to keep out of arguments such as Brexit and, uh, and, uh, and independence. It, it was very funny. I, I always remember someone phoning me up and saying, I'd like you to come out against Brexit. And I said, listen, if I come out against Brexit, it'll, it'll have the equal and opposite effect. It'll, it'll persuade another thousand people to vote for Brexit. So uh, I, I, think we, uh, I think we overrate our, the importance of our decisions. I think there's a lot of people think, think we're a bunch of idiots and they should do the opposite to what we say. Final question then, I'd like to ask you, what is your, uh, what has been your, your best and worst investment in your, in your career? Oh my God, the best investment was Aberdeen. Uh, some of the great investments though I made at Aberdeen were, was buying the old Morgan Grenfell asset management in 2005. Undoubtedly, the worst period of my career was uh, split caps, uh, which which you'll you'll remember from uh, the very well. I do remember Edgar. that very well. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, that was the worst. That was the worst. The best was Aberdeen. The best buying Morgan Grand, the old Morgan Grand floor. The worst was split caps. Um, right, Martin. Well, thank you very much for sharing this time with us. I think it's been very interesting. I've enjoyed it very much, and I'm sure the listeners will, too. And um, so what are you going off to do now? Where, what's your next uh, big challenge? We haven't talked about your uh, off, off the field activities, your golf sponsorship. And yeah, I do, stuff. yeah I, I, I do a lot with golf. I'm chairman of Scottish Golf. I'm on the European tour. So yeah, I enjoy the golf, the business side of golf. Uh, sadly, my golf game is not as good as it was. <laughs> it's a sign of age, you know. It's frustrating when you can't hit the ball as far, but... Uh, but well, yeah, even with this sailing, even with the new technology, you're still yeah, not, not as long as it used to be. Technology, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but it's great. It's great. Listen, I've enjoyed it immensely, and and well done on and again what you've done for the investment trust sector over the years. It's been uh, it's been fantastic. Well, that's very kind of you to say that, and uh, it's such as a fun sector to be in. So, so yeah. thank you anyway. Thanks a lot.